WHHH-FM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Indianapolis. Wow. <laughs> Somebody in is, is in a really, really, really good mood this morning. So two things. Yeah. I got an extra hour of sleep because we fell back with the hour. Mm-hmm. But we need some holiday cheer because yes. yesterday did not at all feel like Halloween. Yeah, you know what? It was a little different. I did um, trunk or treat with my nieces outside of my aunt's house, and it was weird because we were just staying in one spot, and I'm spraying people down with sanitizer and making the kids put their masks back on and everything. So it was weird for sure, but we did get a full moon, so that's that's pretty spooky. It did. It was a beautiful moon, yeah. <laughs> um, but it did not all feel like the holidays. So yeah. uh, with it officially being November 1st, Never mind that election that's coming up on Tuesday. we got to celebrate <laughs> that the holidays are here. Good morning to you, Indianapolis. I'm Cameron Riddle. Good morning, everybody. Ebony Chappelle checking in here. This is going to be an incredible show this morning. Um, like Cameron said, we are trying not to jump into the election season too much, trying to enjoy the holidays. But it is upon us. It is coming soon. It's here, it basically. Is- Two days away. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We've got early voting going on today at the uh, five vote centers across Marion County and then also at the city county building. Then on Monday, that is the last full day to early vote down at the city county building. It's actually not even a full day. It's today is the last Mm -hmm. full day. Monday, early voting ends at noon. And then you can just go vote on Tuesday at one of the 187 voting centers in Marion County. It should be very easy on Tuesday. Yeah, it should be, you know, especially given the fact that we've seen incredible early voting numbers all over um, the city and across the country as well, which we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, One thing that I do want to know as far as voting if you have not put your absentee ballot in the mail, do not put it in the mail. Yes, that's over. That is over. That that was over last week. Mm-hmm. Drop it off. If you are holding on to that right now, drop it off. Do not put it in the mail. Please and, and thank you. And that's not just the voices on the radio telling you what to do. That is the word. That's what you that's fact from the clerk's office and the postal service. If you've mm-hmm. got that mail and ballot still in your possession or if it just came in the mail yesterday, you need to go ahead, go ahead and fill it out. But then hand delivered, you get to cut the line at any of those voting centers. And a minute ago, I said five satellite voting centers. Uh, I forgot that our Lucas clerk Oil, yeah. and deputy clerk have Lucas Oil Stadium open uh, for us all to go vote today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ebony, with all that said, it is going to be a historic election either way. It already has been. Mm -hmm. And the predictions, the math, um, we're all just going to be on edge. Doesn't sound like we're going to know anything Tuesday night. Oh, no. (laughs) It's going to be election week. Yeah, it is going to be election week. We will have to wait to see how that goes. Um, There are already record numbers as far as the early voting is concerned of people showing up um, in numbers higher than they did in 2016. Um, So that is incredible, one thing. And then two, we just have so much going on. So this morning, to help us work through those things, we are talking with two local political minds in the city of Indianapolis, James E. Briggs from the Indianapolis Star, or Indy Star rather, and Abdul Hakeem Shabazz uh, of all the things that he does, <laughs> WIBC and uh, his blog as well. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? 
Doing fine. Good morning. Good morning. Hey. Hey, hey. So we are sitting here talking about, and Cameron mentioned earlier, um, you know, predictions. Um, what are your, uh, both of you, your overall thoughts on what we should be looking at on November 3rd in terms of predictions of what, what's going to happen um, when those results come rolling in? What are your thoughts? Well, if I could uh, predict that, I'd be having this conversation from my island I just bought in the Bahamas. Wonderful. <laughs> so, because well, I won the Powerball like 8 million different times. Um I think at the end of the day, uh, no one knows exactly what's going to happen. Anybody who tells you they do is uh, kind of lying to you. Uh, that's sort of one because we've seen in 2016, you know, a lot of people made predictions that weren't necessarily uh, true for one reason or another. Um, I do think uh, we should know relatively easily uh, who's going to be president, uh, basically because of Florida. And because Florida starts counting their votes like election morning. And then that's uh, all the all the received ballots in the whole nine yards. They do the you know, so they'll be counting all day, and they'll do like a massive data dump about like seven fifteen, seven thirty, uh, Eastern time. And if Joe Biden uh, is ahead or winning Florida, that's probably going to be pretty much it. Uh, if Donald Trump wins Florida, or Florida's still too close to call, we could be in for a long night. But uh, I say all eyes on Florida, and then Georgia, and then North Carolina. James, what about you? I don't have, you know, like Abdul, I don't have much in the way of predictions. I, I think one, you know, one limb I will go out on is I think uh, Governor Erica Holcomb is very likely to uh, be reelected. Uh, I would have a hard time seeing Dr. Woody Myers, the Democrat, uh, come out ahead in that race. Certainly would not expect the Libertarian Donald Rainwater to win. Um, so that that's one race that I think looks pretty solid. But otherwise, I think everything else is sort of up in the air that people are watching, even uh, the fact that uh, Mike Pence was in town in Fort Wayne a couple weeks ago stumping for uh, Donald Trump, I think to me suggests there's a sense out there that Indiana may even be somewhat up for grabs in the presidential race, which, uh, you know, the state is kind of notoriously bad for polling, and I I don't think you can really say what's going to happen there. So I think there's at least a chance that the Trump campaign is feeling like uh, Biden might have an in in Indiana, and that might be why Mike Pence was here. So I think a lot of questions right now as to what's going to happen. Well, we know for a fact that there were thousands of people who voted in Indiana in 2016, voted in that general election, but decided not to cast a vote for the presidential candidate. So that's a large chunk of people that could be deciding to vote who are in those lines who didn't vote in 16 for a president, but voted over the past couple of weeks for a president. So I think you have a point there, James. I think both of you are right um, when it comes to what the election looks like. Ebony, what are you thinking for the week? Yeah, um, these definitely sound like really sound. Um, I know we can't really use the word predictions, but sound thoughts, given the information that we have now. Um, one thing that I'm wondering about, it's as far as the uh, gubernatorial race is concerned, um, I noticed that uh, right after the last and final debate, uh, Rainwater had a significant percentage of the vote that was higher than what's ex- expected from a third party candidate. Um, I just wanted to know from both of you, do you think that that's a sign of um, the state being more embracing toward a third party, potentially? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, James, I'll let you go first on this one. No, I, I wouldn't say that. I would. I think it has more to do with the politics of the moment. Um, there is a lot of pushback, especially on the right, from sort of have been in place to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Uh, Governor Eric Holcomb has been an extremely moderate Republican on that issue. The fact that he uh, issued a stay-at-home order earlier than a lot of other Republicans did. He kept 
uh, capacity restrictions in place uh, well into September. He has a mask mandate, which is uh, a step further than a lot of other Republican governors have gone. Uh, Indiana is a red state. A lot of people on the right have really been offended by Holcomb's stances on those issues. And Donald Rainwater has stepped in and run a campaign saying there shouldn't be a mask mandate. There shouldn't be any government restrictions on gathering sizes, on capacities and businesses. And that's a message that's resonated with people. So I don't think it, I don't think it has anything to do with Indiana being especially uh, open to third-party candidates. I think it's just this unique moment where Donald Rainwater has a message that is uh, connecting with a lot of people who are sort of fed up with the way Eric Holcomb has approached the coronavirus. Yeah, Abdul, what, yes. what are your thoughts on that? On that, I tend to agree. Uh, we did some polling back in uh, uh, late August, early September. We were sort of in the heat or in the middle of the height of the the, the pandemic and the you know the you know, the, 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 the next level phases and the whole nine yards. And uh, whereas the governor had like a twenty point lead back in April. Our poll showed with a six-point lead over Dr. Woody Myers, and uh, Don Rainwater came in at 24%. And the first thing I asked my pollster was, uh, is this right? Mm. And they went back, because when they saw it, too, because you know, they, they looked at the numbers like, that doesn't make sense. And there were there were two things that were taking place. Number one, it was online. So when you go online, you get a little bit of a different response. Sometimes you do by telephone or by landline or cell phone. But also, uh, it's like James said, you had a lot of people who were mad and upset, like said, sort of in the moment, about the mass mandate, uh, about the you know, sort of the stay-in-place orders, and they weren't going to go to Woody Myers because Woody Myers actually wants tougher restrictions, and so they went to Donald Rainwater. Now, all the polls I've seen this month has Eric in the you know low to mid fifties, Dr. Woody Myers in the in the mid twenties, and Rainwater like eight to eleven percent. They did like fourteen percent. Yeah, he was fifteen percent shortly after the last debate. Yeah, yeah, sure. After the last debate, um, I think that is more the ideological conservatives and libertarians who just don't like to be told what to do, don't like the mass mandate, don't like the emergency orders and the whole nine yards. They're not going to go to Myers, uh, but they will go to uh, Donald Rainwater. Now, I will say this: Rainwater signs in and across Indiana. He's on television, but signs don't necessarily win you elections. It's it's organization. It's ground game. It's a lot more. It's a lot more than that, to say the least. Abdul, Abdul I'm curious. Abdul, I'm curious. Do you think Rainwater support has actually been kind of falling back down the last several weeks again? Um, I think so because um, I was having a conversation with a with a friend of mine on Friday night, uh, who's a Republican who was who does not like who does not like the governor's mass mandate or 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 the way the governor's been doing everything. But he told me, and I thought this was interesting. I think there's a lot of this out there. He said. He liked rainwater, but he couldn't bring himself to vote for him because of all the other stuff, like you know DCS, state police, mm-hmm. cor- you know mm-hmm. corrections, the whole nine yards. So, okay. you know, he may like rainwater because of the mass mandate, but that's not enough to get him to vote him for governor. So, Abdul, after that poll that you did, that's when we saw uh, the governor start rolling out uh, more of a uh, heavy campaign on TV and on radio with his ads. Um, is what I guess was the thought at all that with rainwater in the mix, not necessarily that he would win, but it would drain enough from Holcomb that Woody Myers could pick up some wins. Well, uh, well, so here's the thing. We put our poll out in September right after Labor Day because that's when the traditional campaign season starts. So I don't think the governor did anything based on our poll that he would have done. He would have done already because, like I said, right after Labor Day is when the campaign begins in, in earnest, the television, radio ads, mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. I do think... Uh, 
the governor's folks did have some concerns uh, about the rainwater uh, about the rainwater campaign and what exactly was what exactly was going on. So they maybe stepped their game a little bit, but I don't think they really necessarily changed a whole lot um, in their messaging. Gentlemen, let me ask you: uh, polls aside, was Doctor Woody Myers ever a threat? Um, to Governor Holcomb, and I ask that because we're in the middle of a pandemic, Mm -hmm. and you would think that the person who's actually a doctor, who's the state's previous health commissioner, um, who led the country through education, educating uh, what was the new AIDS epidemic. This is the Woody Myers. So is there, was there ever a point where Governor said, you know what, I probably should do the right thing because the last person that I need to um, have correcting me what I should do, what I shouldn't do, is actually a doctor. And I only say that because he's a doctor. If he wasn't a doctor and if he was just a Democrat, um, does that combination at all make him a, a potential, like, you've actually got a chance to be governor? He should have been a threat. Uh, I think that <laughs> that much is clear. Um the campaign has just been awful, and that's something yeah. you're seeing Democrats speak out about um, increasingly forcefully. I mean, you've even seen John Gregg, the uh, the Democrat who ran for governor in the last two election cycles, come out and trash the Woody Myers campaign. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I mean, that's indicative, I think, of how Democrats are feeling about this race right now, certainly the ones I'm talking to. I mean, it, it's really, I, I think we've come to a place where we've accepted this reality that Eric Holcomb is going to just coast to victory, but that's really a remarkable thing in 2020, a year when there's just so much heat on this election and Donald Trump is dragging down Republicans across the country, but you have the Indiana governor's race uh, in really just the most certain terms you could possibly imagine in this type of an election year. And I think that speaks to how poorly Woody Myers has used his experience, his knowledge, his unique uh his unique qualifications for this specific year, being a doctor, being mm-hmm. a man who can talk about uh, racial injustice in America with firsthand experience, and he just has not been able to translate those things mm-hmm. into a message that has resonated with people. That just yeah. seems like the last person you'd run, Absolutely. want to run against. Absolutely. And you know what? It's it's just funny. I was going to ask a similar question because we had our general manager, uh, Dion Livingston, on uh, just last week. I think it was last week, right? Mm-hmm. These weeks are just flying by, y'all. But um, And he mentioned the same thing, that he thought that it was a terrible campaign. And my thoughts were... What could have been done differently? Where did the Democrats fail in terms of really lifting him up to the level that he should have been to be a serious threat in this campaign? And I don't know, James, if you have more thoughts on that, or Abdul, if you want to jump in on that one. Well, here's here's my thing about Dr. Myers. I've known Dr. Myers uh, for years. I remember I met him when he ran uh, for Congress against Andre Carson, like you know, a bajillion years ago. So I can kind of carbon date myself here. The the thing about Dr. Woody Myers is on paper he's a perfect candidate you know former public health commissioner during a pandemic you know african-american candidate you know when we're having a conversation about racial you know strife in this country and so also with the with the school issue and some other things though the problem was and i won't say this is necessarily woody myers fault of his own but he decided to run during a pandemic and during a pandemic he can't go door to door he can't hold fundraisers a lot of things that you would normally do you just can't do and so, and raising money is kind of one of them. And Eric Holcomb and those folks, they started raising money a long time ago. And so they already had a system in place and ready to go. 
even in the even in the wake of a pandemic. Because I remember uh, actually asking Dr. Myers when he announced, I was like, "Hey, Dr. Myers, you know you're relatively you know well off. Are you going to be spending your own money to to get elected governor?" And his wife gave him that Kamala Harris, uh, the lovely Mrs. Shabazz look, oh, which I have seen before. Mm-hmm. You're going to do what? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> As a matter of fact, getting that look as soon as I get off the telephone with you folks this morning. Um, yeah, so when I, when I saw that look, I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And so Woody just never was able to get, the I would say, the infrastructure in order to run a campaign the way he should have. Because if he did, I think he would actually have a decent shot at actually winning this thing. It, it, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why, with, with the Biden campaign making as much money as they have, did they not, uh, did they not view Indiana as, as winnable? It seems like a place with all the cash that they literally don't know what to do with. That they would throw some this way and, and help Dr. Myers out. I, I think there's a little bit of a difference of opinion with among some Democrats on this. So you have some Democrats who buy what uh, Abdul just said, which is that uh, Woody Myers ran for governor at the worst possible moment. I mean, his campaign should have been kicking off at the moment when everyone was stuck at home and you can't hold fundraisers. So I've talked to Democrats who say, yeah, that's that's reasonable. Like, that's a good excuse for why this campaign just couldn't take off. But then there are some other Democrats out there who are like, well, look at Christina Hale, who's running to replace the retiring Susan Brooks in the 5th Congressional District. Christina, Christina Hale is just raking in money. And that's a congressional race. It's been nationalized. So there are a lot of, a lot of reasons you can cite for why her fundraising has been so phenomenal. But um, I think some Democrats point to that and say, look, there's no excuses. Like, it can be done. There's never been more money in politics than there is right now, no matter what the, the conditions are. Um, so I think there's kind of some disagreement in Democratic circles over how much blame Woody can get for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, certainly I think you can say he has not done enough. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. We'd like to take our own uh, Radio 1 WTLC Hot 96.3 uh, live poll this morning to see uh, if you haven't voted, which way you're voting. And if you did vote, what was it like? Who did you vote for? Uh, so we can get a little bit of a feel of mm-hmm. what Tuesday night and Wednesday morning and Wednesday night and Thursday morning and Thursday night. Ebony, we may be back here yeah. this time next week, maybe finally announcing a president. We don't know. You know, we shall see how that goes. Uh, if you have any issues getting on the air, you can also send us a tweet at Open Line Show um, for sure. Uh, one thing that I want to ask before we um, get some callers on here is about um, that race. So I've seen um, the ads and people are so, you know, immensely tired of the of the campaign ads um and between um victoria sparts and christina hill like getting pretty nasty um what are your thoughts on how that uh but then you have on the other side i've seen some political ads come out of certain states that are very civil i wish i could place the state right now but there were two gentlemen running for the same office Utah. utah yeah and there were a lot of people really gravitating toward that that sort of messaging. Do you think that we will get to a place where that more civil discourse becomes the norm? Because the voter pool, people are really, you know, not into this. No. Nastiness. <laughs> Cameron, you don't think so? Not Maybe yet. that's just me being Pollyanna. I don't know. Whatever. But what are your all's thoughts on that? Do you think that we can ever see more of that civility I mean, negative ads are out there because they work. I think that's yeah. my take. So in a, in a race that's as, as important and as uh, uh, competitive as the 5th District race, uh, no, I don't, I don't think there's any way, uh, any way out of those types of ads. No, like I said, I tend to agree because uh, 
like I said, you know, why do people spend money on negative campaign on negative campaign ads? Well, why do they really sudden rob banks? Because that's where the money is. You know, it, wow. it, it works. <laughs> I mean, it works. And and see, here's the thing: the the point of camp of negative campaign ads is to discourage people to vote and discourage participation. That's the whole point. Because you may not like the Republican, but see all the negative ads from the Democrat, then you just stay home. So yeah. that's kind of the the whole point of negative ads and negative campaign. Of course, the campaigns will tell you. It's not negative. It's a comparison ad. You know, we're we're telling you the truth that you know Christina Hale hates puppies and Victoria Sparks eats children. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just whatever because it's just I mean because if you look at them, look at them really they're actually kind of all kind of ridiculous. They are, and that's why um, you you'll see the candidates usually run the more run the more positive ads like you know with the children or mm-hmm. I help get health care for X Y Z. Then it's the outside groups that have come in and do all the negative campaigns. Let's go to the phones, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Caller on line one, good morning. You're live on the air. Who's this? Am I up now? Yes, Paul, good morning. Hey, how y'all doing today? Good, how are you? Who'd you vote for? Uh, did you vote? Uh, did I register and I'm, am I voting? Yes, I'm registered and I'm voting. Are you, uh, so you haven't voted vote? yet? Which I... You well, haven't no. voted yet? Okay. No. So, anyway... Uh, I need to piggyback off of last week. Uh, I we went to about last uh, week. That was seven days ago. Oh, yeah, we slept a lot since then. About the black education being taught in school. Oh, okay, yeah, hit it. Seven years ago, I went over to Warren High School to uh, get my GED, and I took the pretest uh, going in. They had me passing math at a twelfth grade level. And then they, and then my, all the other subjects, I had a third grade education. And so, um, I went and for a couple of weeks and talked to a couple of the English teachers and different things and asked them how come they were still teaching those things that they were teaching. And then I called the governor's office. Uh, no, no, let me, let me backtrack. What I did was three weeks later, I went on and took the test anyway, paid for it and everything. I passed everything but the math. And I was over a 12th grade education uh, as, as far as that goes. And so I took my concerns to the governor's office, the young lady at the time uh, that was in charge of education for Indiana, and told her what my concerns were. And at 50-something years old, what do I need trigonometry for, for a basic piece of paper? And I also asked them how come they wasn't, treating, wasn't teaching uh, the true black history and um, so, so needless to say, the gentleman that was on last week, uh, he was right when he said that they did put it on the table and they took it right off. And uh, so in order for them to move forward as far as educating us or we being educated properly, I don't see that happening no way soon. And secondly, um, for, for especially for the ladies out there and, and the men too, in my book called The Truth on page 21, it all talks right. about so, Paul, all the poisons Paul, and different things. Really quickly, Paul, uh, we, this morning, perfumes, so Paul, so I do not want to have to drop the do, drop the call, but we're going to have to drop your call. Paul, Paul, we're going to have to drop your call and go on to the next caller. Um, okay. Yeah, because this morning we are trying to talk about election news and things like that. I and, understand. you know, we give you, you know, you, you talk, call in every week and we talk to you a whole lot about different things, which is great. But we trying to make the main thing the main thing this morning. I understand. I, I don't right. have no problem with that. You guys have a great day. Me and too. Thank you. All right. Uh-huh. Spoken. Let's Bye-bye. go to the next caller on line two. Caller, good morning. You are live. Uh, hello, Bob, please. Hey, What's up, you know, Larry? 
I was a little bit undecided, but ever since Hogan sent out this uh, last flyer, he looks just like the family guy. Who can resist him? I know now that I'm going to vote a straight ticket Republican. Uh, the foolishness that the Democrats ran into, and uh, Hogan is uh, the best looking of the three candidates, and he's going to win, and Trump is also going to win. But uh, we need to rethink what we're doing when we vote for Democrats, as uh, any person here in this city. But uh, thank you so much, and uh, Hogan's going to win. And, and as a Republican, real quick, Larry, are you have you voted already, or are you waiting until Election Day? I just go right down to Bethel and vote. But I'm not really a Republican, but I'm just voting for the people that make the most sense to me. And some of the things the Democrats are talking about, is really frightening, and uh, I just wish they would do better, but they're not going to do better, so I'm voting straight ticket, not taking any chances. But I am going to vote for uh, Liz Gore on the ticket for uh, school, school board, board. Right. at large. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Mm-hmm. Let me get in another call on line one. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air. Who's this? Good morning. This is Kim. Kim, what's up? Did you vote already? I did. I voted yesterday. Hey, okay. Mm. Congratulations. How did that go? That went well. I was um, in line downtown, city, county, building, about 30 minutes or less. May I, may I ask who you voted for and why? I voted for Kamala Harris and Biden because they represent um, the future. They represent change. Um, Trump and Pence definitely um, represent uh, dysfunction. They represent chaos, um, as we can clearly see. Um, so I voted for who... Um, has the best uh, representation for the future and change. And who did you vote for for governor? I voted for Dr. Woody Myers. I know that Dr. Woody Myers um, did not have a good campaign, um, as you all were just talking about. Um, but let's be honest, um, you know, Eric Holcomb, you know, he has a better campaign. He, You know, he has, um, he's current, you know, the sitting governor. So, of course, I didn't expect for him, for Dr. Woody Myers to out campaign him. Um, but, who you vote for is who you vote for and who you believe in is who you believe in. So that's why I voted for Dr. Woody Myers. All right. Thank you so much for the call. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. You uh, too. Another call here on line two. Caller, good morning. You're live on the open line show. Who's this? Good, good morning. Good morning. Who's this? This is Ms. Jackson. Ms. Jackson, did you vote already? Uh, I haven't voted yet, but I will be voting on Tuesday uh-huh. because I have to work. Okay. Oh, uh, I will be voting on Tuesday. Okay, thank you for doing that. And I'm voting a straight ticket. State straight ticket, Democrat, Republican, Independent, Democrat. All right, all right. We had we just had to make sure we're, ta- we're taking a poll here. <laughs> thank you, Miss Jackson. Thank you so much. Uh, let me get You're very uh, welcome. Let me get a, let me get one more uh, caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, how you guys doing this morning? Mo hey, Good morning, and sir. Hey, guys, wonderful here. Abdul gave a pretty good analysis there. Uh, I'm on my way to Lucas Oil Stadium right now to Outstanding. Uh, vote because um, they only had a one-minute wait yesterday when I saw that. I was like, I'm going down mm-hmm. there. Best line fast. in town. Yeah. Um, I definitely, uh, I don't, you know, politics is fine. Studying politics is funny. It's not like um, the last four years we haven't seen what's going on. And when you vote for a new president, I don't know what Larry's talking about, but what the, the Democrats are talking about is frightening. I've never seen I mean, Bill Clinton had one of the best uh, uh, economic booms in the history of, 
of this country. I didn't think the only thing that's sustained is the well, uh, uh, Bosnia Herzegovina and the '94 crime bill. So um, I don't know what that is. We we need something different. So I'm voting for uh, Biden and Harris to see if they can do something different. Maybe calm these feathers down. We had people in Texas yesterday. A Biden bus get run over by Trump supporters. I saw the video myself. You mm-hmm. do that to me, people. I got. I'm legal. Okay, we're not going to have that problem here. Okay, so that's just that's that's kind of stuff that's going on. That has. I'm going to vote for Dr. Myers. Uh, I've talked with Dr. Myers many times uh-huh. uh, since the campaigns are going on. We've listened to him many times on Saturday or on on the radio. He he's very thoughtful and and uh, very uh, poignant. Uh, maybe it's, he didn't have the money flush or he didn't run a great campaign. But as the person himself, I like him as a person. So I'm going to vote for him. Then you got other things. Look at Superintendent of Public Instruction. I, I do like the way she's done some things. So I'll look and see what's going on on the whole thing. I don't. It's not a. I don't look at myself as a straight ticket, or and I don't like the word independent because this country don't let you have independence. It's only a couple of choices. But we'll see how it goes. As I look around, Andre Carson definitely will get my vote, not the other lady. Uh, after hearing her the other day, she's now that's frightening. Listening to his challenger, she's frightening. Wow. But uh, I'll let you guys know how I go another day. I'm on the way down there. And, Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir, Emma. Right. I look forward to hearing you from you on Tuesday when we begin our live election coverage here. Uh, Cameron. Yes. Uh, I want to just chime in real quick here uh, on the one thing about the crime bill from 1994, uh, because I think this is the, there's been some misinformation, miscommunication mm-hmm. kind of running around at the time. Mm-hmm. The crime bill uh, that was passed, by the way, uh, overwhelmingly in the House and the Senate, had the support of the, the Congressional Black Caucus at the time. Mm-hmm. Because neighborhoods, uh, because I was like 20 years, 22 years old at the time, uh, coming back from graduate school in Chicago, neighborhoods, particularly African-American neighborhoods, just being devastated by, by drugs, by gangs, and by violence. And so the, the, the crime bill was, was a way to, to sort of deal and mitigate that. Now, granted, looking, at, looking, through, the, looking through the retrospective 25 years ago, our thoughts on criminal justice and how to treat people have changed. But... The, the crime bill in 1994, I don't know why people give Joe Biden this big, big, uh, big grief about it. It was actually a support of, support of a lot of African-Americans. Just want to make sure I had that in there. Well, I, I think that's important because mm-hmm. it's also about what was the intent at the time. And that's why you have folks like Joe Biden coming out and saying, I apologize. It's not what was intended. Yes, that's what's happened. But we didn't sit around and plan it to go that way so i think there are a lot of people who understand that and 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 that's why it's they're still going to be able to vote for joe biden um we got to take a commercial break but james and abdul can you stick around because i want to hear from you guys on what advice you can give to everyone as we look um forward to what this election week is going to look like what are you guys hearing about um as far as when we could start seeing some results, when maybe Indiana could be called, when maybe we might know who the president is, because I think everybody's agreeing we will not be declaring a winner for president on Tuesday night. More of the Open Line Show is coming up in just three minutes. Keep calling us, 317-239-9696, as we continue our poll to find out who it is you're voting for for president, governor, and even school board. Ebony, we can also take some right. tweets. We also can. You can tweet us at Open Line Show. Uh, we will read your comments live on the air. Stay tuned.
We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3. Let's get back to Open Lines, your eye on the community on Hot 96.3. This your boy Ricky Smiley, man. Check it out, and you're listening to Open Lines with Cameron Riddle and Ebony Chappelle. Welcome back, welcome back to the Open Line Show here on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. Ebony Chappelle, Cameron Riddle checking in with you. We are talking all things election 2020. And before we went to break, um, Cameron was just beginning to mention that on Tuesday night, we will have live coverage from 7 p.m. to midnight, y'all, here on our Radio 1 stations. Um, Streaming also on, uh, we're going to be on Facebook Live as well. Yeah, we're going to be on everything, keeping you guys up to date hour to hour with all of the election updates coming in from around the city, around our state, and also around the country watching that presidential race. So be sure to tune in. We're also taking your calls at 317-239-9696 and online on Twitter at Open Line Show. Yeah, it should be a good night on Tuesday. Join us, myself, Ebony Chappelle, and our Community Affairs Director, Tina Cosby, on live Mm -hmm. from 7 to midnight on 106.7 WTLC and on AM 1310, the light 92.7 and 95.1 FM. And then Ebony and I will be here on Hot 96.3 as well, giving mm-hmm. updates every hour. You can also see us. We'll be in our TV studio um, broadcasting results and talking to you, taking your calls. And of course, if you're in front of your TV, be sure to tune in to WRTV. ABC's got coverage all night and WRTV locally will have coverage all day long with election results and updates from the voting centers beginning Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. and going all the way until Wednesday morning at 4 a.m. It's going to be a long day. Absolutely. Lots of Starbucks. <laughs> On the phone with us uh, this hour is Abdul Hakim Shabazz, the man with many titles, a radio show, a lawyer, teacher, husband, uh, pollster, all of that. And cigar enthusiast. Cigar enthusiast. Uh, and James Briggs, one of the best columnists we have um, uh, mm-hmm. here uh, in our area. And of course, at the Indy Star, uh, joining us uh on the phone this morning as we get ready for um, election day. Gentlemen, I like to play a lot on uh, the uh, road to 270 maps, the 270 to win websites, and I'm plotting out the math so I can know exactly, uh, so I can have a better idea of what is probable and what could happen. And the simple fact is the math for Joe Biden is easier for him to win. There are several ways Joe Biden can win this thing. And there's really only one way Donald Trump can win this thing. Let me be clear. That does not mean Donald Trump cannot win. It just means that there are more roads um, that Biden can take and still win. Whereas Donald Trump basically has to sweep uh, everything he did last time and not lose anything uh, to Biden. Honestly, if you look at the math, And if you just went to the 2016 map, 
um, if, if you go to the, the battleground map of this year, if Biden does, if he gets Michigan and Wisconsin, two states that he won, that Trump won by less than a percentage point, less than one point, he won those by in 2016. If he gets those, he's already almost home. If you give him, uh, if, if Nevada is, is a solid blue, if you give him Minnesota, I think Arizona is going to go blue. Having lived there, I think uh, that they are ready. Mark Kelly's going to win that Senate seat as well. Um, but just right there, you give him Wisconsin to Michigan, he's already at 265 electoral votes. He needs one more state. That could be Iowa. That could be Pennsylvania. It could be Ohio. Uh, will it be Georgia, Texas, or Florida? Those are the ones we're really watching, but I think the blue wall will pop back up in Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh, how likely, gentlemen, do you think it is that um, uh, we start seeing uh, a blue wave this time around? Here is there's been a sense for the last four years that the polls really missed 2016, and Preach. that's really not the that's not the case. The polls were right in 2016. They gave Donald Trump a chance to win. It's just the way people interpreted them that was wrong um and i i I don't want people to make that mistake now Uh, like 538 for instance gives joe biden about an 88 percent chance of winning um i compared that in a column to that's so donald trump has about the same chance of winning re-election as pacers guard malcolm brogdon has of missing a free throw but he he missed a lot of free throws though last season like it it happens like Mm -hmm. things with a low probability happen um so nobody should just assume that this is over um, I think as, as far as the map goes, we're going to be really looking at Pennsylvania. Um, Donald Trump pretty much has to win Pennsylvania, but even if he does, that isn't enough. Uh, he's got to win in a bunch of other states, too. Um, so, yeah, as, as you said, uh, Joe Biden uh, has a much clearer path to victory, but uh, certainly Donald Trump has a chance to win re-election, and it's, you know, it's, it's a real chance. Yeah, Abdul, any thoughts on that? Yeah, like I said, I agree with James, uh, particularly about the about the polls. The polls weren't necessarily wrong. I mean, there were some outliers, like Ohio, for example, sure. Uh, but uh, a lot of places that Donald Trump won, he won within the margin of error, and that's what people mm-hmm. tend to to forget it for to forget when they look at the, the polling data. Now, with that said, the pollies, the the, the reputable pollers did make some changes and adjustments uh, this year, as opposed to the last presidential election. Was they accounted for education? Because that's one thing they didn't necessarily account for. And they kind of oversampled more educated people who tend to support Joe Biden and as opposed to uh, fewer educated people who tend to support uh, the president. So kind of keep that in mind when we're talking about, you know, polling in the whole uh, nine yards. Um, like I said, the, the, the three states I'm going to be taking a look at in the first batch of things are going to be Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina. Uh, like I said, Donald Trump has to win Florida. Uh, if he doesn't win Florida, then his path of the presidency goes up for like a 45 degree angle to like a 75 degree angle mm-hmm. wow. uh, if he loses florida like i said georgia's still relatively tight north carolina after that then i look at pennsylvania the upper midwest which it looks like biden is uh, probably going to win and then um, i also take a look at texas and to a lesser degree uh arizona because like mm-hmm. i said texas is still somewhat uh competitive but i still expect like i said this is today ask me tomorrow i give you a little bit of a different answer I still expect Biden to win because I think the electoral math tends to favor him. And also, uh, please keep this in mind, too, that since 1992, when I graduated from college, Republicans have only won the popular vote 
and the Electoral College one time. And that was 2004. Every other year, the Democrats have always won the popular vote. So just kind of keep mm-hmm. that in mind as we as we as we sort of play the, the as we play the electoral math game. Yeah. One thing that I was thinking about um, as far as this is concerned is people kind of resting on their laurels and thinking, oh, you know, we've we've got it in the bag and there is no such thing as having it in the bag. Um, so definitely want to let people know to still go out and vote. Um, I wanted to get both of you all's thoughts on should this go uh, as far as the presidential race, should this go in um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's favor do you have any concern about the president's not so thinly veiled threats about not going uh not going out you know without a fight what are your thoughts on that um he may say that publicly but mm-hmm. already they're, they're doing the transition uh, they're preparing just in case because the grown-ups in the white house and there actually are grown-ups Thank in the God white house there are, are grown-ups in yeah. the white house right <laughs> yeah, are, are, are preparing for a transition because you kind of have to by law. Mm-hmm. And so Donald Trump may say whatever he wants, but at the end of the day, if he loses, he loses. And by the way, you don't have to concede a presidential race because once the election results are certified, you know, that's it. So I, 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 would, I would keep that in mind. The president can say whatever he wants, but, you know, come January 20th, if there's a new president, hey, Mr. President, you got to go. <laughs> Come on, get your stuff and get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as I look at this this map, uh, this this battleground map, and thank you both gentlemen for talking about the polls in 2016 because they were not wrong. And as we know, the poll said Hillary Clinton would get more votes. It doesn't that, that doesn't say Hillary Clinton's going to get the most electoral votes. It means more people are mm-hmm. going to vote for Hillary Clinton, and that's exactly what happened. So as we look at the polling for this year, Joe Biden has what Hillary Clinton had and then some. He has he is uh, doing well in the polls by an even wider margin uh, than she was. And the other thing is Donald Trump does not hate uh, Joe Biden the way he hated Hillary Clinton. You can tell in in those polls so that uh, the animosity just isn't there. It's not as nasty of a campaign. So all of that said, when you look at this battleground map and I know we're on radio, so I'll just talk through it. If we give. Um, let me just kind of gauge the, the three of you before we go back to the phones. Um, Arizona, red or blue? I'm going to go red. Ebony's red. Abdul, James? Um, I think I Arizona like goes blue, but a light blue. <laughs> blue. Blue for uh, um, Abdul, and and uh, James is going to abstain. So Yeah, I'm going to abstain. Uh, it's a tricky game. Let me, and, and this is just math here, um, based based on the polling that we've all been looking at. Nevada? I'm going to go red. Okay. Uh, Abdul? Nevada goes blue. I'm with Abdul. Uh, I'm going to go Michigan blue, Wisconsin blue. Ebony? I'm definitely going to go blue there. Abdul? Uh, blue. Uh, Minnesota, I'm going blue. I'm going to go blue as well on that. Abdul? Blue. Uh, Okay, now here's where we're getting into uh, some tighter territory. Ohio. Um, To me, Ohio is a a total toss-up. Yeah, Cuyahoga County, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do – basically what I've been doing is seeing what the 20 – what Obama did in 2012, not necessarily the 2008 map. But the 2012 map, I think it'll look something close to that, plus Arizona, plus maybe those wild cards of Georgia. Uh, so Iowa, blue or red? Red. 
I'm going. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do blue because it went uh, blue in, in 2012. Abdul, what about you? I think Iowa may say slightly red. It, it's I think I will, pink. I will note uh, our uh, sister paper, the Des Moines Register, came out with its last poll or uh, last poll before the election last night. And it looks pretty good for Donald Trump there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So we'll uh, consensus on that one is Iowa staying red, if not uh, maybe maybe a shade of pink. Uh, the the difficulty though is when you get down to Florida, total toss up. Um, Texas. Beto did really well last time, very close in that race with Senator Ted Cruz. Obviously, it wasn't enough. Is there enough this time to do what Democrats have wanted to do for decades and turn Texas blue? That's such a fascinating Um, question because we saw a couple days ago, Texas had already topped 9 million votes, more mm -hmm. than it had all of 2016. I mean, I'm I'm just really, Mm -hmm. I have no prediction, but I'm really fascinated to see what all of that early voting means in Texas. Yeah, Mm -hmm. same here. Uh, yeah, uh, listen. Mine's the same thing. Is was, was looking to see where those early voting, where the early voting goes. How many of those people are brand new people to the process who've never voted uh, before? Uh, is going to be an interesting thing to take a look at. And also, uh, if Democrats can change uh, three or four seats in the state of the Texas legislature, uh, they get to redraw the maps, both the congressional maps and their legislative maps. So. Texas is actually even more important um, from that perspective as well. And I should mention, I forgot that you guys can't see the map that I'm looking at, because every time we get a consensus, I I vote on it. On the states we've already <laughs> done, uh, Joe Biden's already at 283 electoral votes. That's still that's giving him Iowa. Um, and that's leaving. I haven't even clicked on Texas, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, Pennsylvania or New Hampshire. So, again, that's what we're talking about. The, the simple math favors Joe Biden. What you guys just mentioned is what everybody is looking at for Tuesday. In Georgia, they've registered 800,000 new registered voters after um, the previous, uh, the the governor election with uh, Stacey Abrams that she just barely lost. So Mm -hmm. that's why those states are, we're seeing this massive voter turnout, which on paper tends to favor Democrats. Does not mean that there are not Republicans out in these lines that are voting early. So those are some of the reasons that w- we're watching those. But already, I mean, right here, uh, if, if we, on, on what we have, Joe Biden has 283, Donald Trump has 131 votes. If we give Donald Trump Florida, he's at 160. If we give him Georgia, if we give him North Carolina, if we give him Pennsylvania, if we give him Texas, he still does not win. Joe, uh, Joe, uh, Donald Trump could get Texas, he could get Florida, he could get Georgia, he could he, he could get Pennsylvania and still not win because he's only got 253 votes. But if you get that combination from Joe Biden of Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, and Arizona, and I th- and we gave him Ohio, uh, Joe Biden would be your next president on paper. Do we think? We're going to how, how soon do you think we're going to have a consensus on who the president is? And then we'll go back to the phones before we wrap up the show. No, like I said, I think we'll know uh, basically depends on what happens with Florida. Uh, like I said, if Florida is uh, leading Donald Trump or a tight race, it's going to be a while. If it's a blowout, uh, this thing is pretty much over. 
Yeah, I think it's certainly possible that it could it could take a few days. Like, I don't rule that out, but I'm not an alarmist who says that things are going to go crazy and it's going to come down to the courts and we're going to be waiting days or weeks. Like, I, that's not what I would predict. Um, and this conversation kind of shows why. Like, I would look at, like, Pennsylvania as a possible tipping point. Sounds like Abdul's looking at Florida. But then if Texas shows up blue for Biden on Tuesday night, then game's mm-hmm. over. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. it. They're, <laughs> There's so many different things that could happen. I just it, it the probability is that you know it's going to look obvious on Tuesday night, and I you know I think that's that's likely to happen. But I you know I certainly wouldn't be surprised by any outcome as far as that goes. Three one seven two three nine ninety six ninety six three one seven two three nine ninety six ninety six. And got I have five. a tweet as well. Okay, we got five yeah. minutes left in the show, uh, mm-hmm. so call me now, Ebony. The tweet. Yes, from uh, at Melissa Has Hope. Thank you so much for reaching out to us on Twitter. She said that she voted straight Dem. She said that the Dem party structure in Indiana could be better, but so hard when competing against longstanding GOP power politics, um, including police unions. But she's glad to see Lucas Oil open up so that we have less voter suppression in Marion County. I know a lot of people were thrilled with that as well, making voting a little bit easier. Let's go to the phones. 317-239-9696. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Good morning. Guy. Guy, Hi, what, Guy. How, did you vote already? I have not, but I got my uh, uh, absentee ballot, and we'll be putting it in uh, to the Dropbox. Do not. Hey, hey, brother Guy, this is Ebony. Do not put it in the mail. Actually, no. go and drop it off at the center um, that you can drop it off at. You can you get in line at the city county building um, and cut the line also and go ahead and drop that off. But don't put it in the mail because it's not going to make it to its destination by Tuesday at this yeah, point. That's, that's my plan because okay. uh, uh, I'm well aware of what's happening with the mail. But mm-hmm. I wanted to say, as far as uh, Tuesday's concerned, uh, I think that the most important thing is uh, – we don't have any more political commercials. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so, God, right? So that's, so that's one good thing, definitely. But I think it's going to be uh, probably uh, Florida's going to be definitely like Florida always is in terms of trying to determine who the winner is. A lot of people think about the fact that uh, you have a lot of uh, people of Cuban uh, mm-hmm. descent, but you also have a lot of people from Puerto Rican descent in terms of the Latino vote. A lot of people aren't taking it into consideration. And if you remember when uh, they had their big, uh, I think it was an earthquake down there, a hurricane, and uh, our president went down there and threw paper towels to the crowd. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So, so uh, that might make a difference. I don't know. All right, but, guy. Thank but, you. But but I think the main thing is that look at the uh, the 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 Christian vote because you have the Christian right, which is strong for President Trump, and you also have uh, Muslims and the Jewish community, uh, and you have to take into account how the how you know the Black Christians are going to go because mm-hmm. uh, if you think about uh, what they're looking at, they're looking at the fact that. This might be the last days in terms of uh, mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. earth, and uh, this is going to be an important book to look at. Yeah. All right, thank guys, you, thank guy. you so much for the call. Let me get in one last caller. Uh, caller on line two, good morning. You have 30 seconds. Who's this? Did you vote? Yes, I voted. All right, who's this? This is Michael. Michael. And I voted for uh, Joe Biden, and I got this to say. We need Joe Biden in the office. It's time for Trump to go. You got 
90,000 cases a day. You got 900 people dying every day with this virus. And these, a lot of these people are not taking it serious. And I, you know what? For the people, for our people that's voting for Trump, I got a big problem with them. They forgot their history. That's all I got to say. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Abdul and James. Uh, as we wrap up the show, where are you guys going to be on election night? And I just want to throw out there, I think I speak for all five of us um, when I say um, actually, there's only four of us, um, <laughs> but uh, we all probably have a love-hate relationship with um, political advertising because it's also what pays the bills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it pays the bills the cheapest rate, though, so don't, don't forget that. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll be at uh, WIBC, uh, basically all these long and network Indiana, and also uh, blogging and doing some live Facebook stuff, so we'll, we'll be all over the place. James, what you got going on? Um, I'm, I'm thrilled that our uh, the Indianapolis Star newsroom will be open on Tuesday. First time in a while, I get to see some colleagues I haven't seen. Also, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll get out. I, I'll get out. I think to the uh, Republican Party in Indianapolis on Tuesday night. Um, not a whole lot of in-person events going on, but um, I'll, I'll try to get out as much as possible on Tuesday. All right, and we will uh, invite everybody to follow these gentlemen. If you're not already, you're missing out. Uh, follow them on Twitter and Facebook. Lots of good stuff. Uh, from them. Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, starting your, uh, what I believe is going to be a very busy week for all of us mm-hmm. uh, with us here on Open Lines. <laughs> no problem, my friend. You guys take care. All right. We'll yeah. see you. Uh, and we'll be watching, listening, and reading uh, both of your work. Have a good one. Uh, Ebony, as we had said, mm-hmm. uh, we've got a busy night on Tuesday as well. Yes, we do. We have a very busy night on Tuesday. We will be broadcasting live from 7 p.m. to midnight. Uh, you can hear us on 106.7 WTLC, also uh, AM 1310, and the FM station as well um, for Praise Indie. We will also be. 92.7 and yes. 95.1. Awesome. I knew we added a new one. You yes. know, these numbers, listen, it's been a long, long day, long week, long year. Um, we will also be on Facebook Live as well, um, streaming so that you can keep up to date with what is going on. Um, you can also hear Cameron and I giving live updates on Hot 96.3 every hour um, as we get election results as they are coming in. Um, you know, it might end up being one of those nights where we find out pretty early or it could be, you know, one of those things where it takes us all week. We're just going to have to wait and see how that all works out. But either way, we will be here for you, giving you the news and taking your calls and comments as well i think it's going to be a long night and as you know me i'm going to be everywhere you'll see me starting at five o'clock and six o'clock on wrtv abc their coverage on television goes all day long Uh, if you don't already download the wrtv streaming app on the roku or whatever you stream on because we're going to be doing coverage on there all day long and all night long and then abc will have their coverage starting at seven o'clock and going until 4 a.m and so no matter where you are We got you covered. Uh, And so we will see you on TV. I will Tuesday night. And then you'll see Ebony, myself, and Tina Cosby all together on the radio and online as we begin our live coverage at 7 o'clock for election night. It's one vote 2020. We are back. Same time, same station right here next Sunday morning, live at 8. Have a great Sunday and a positive week, y'all. Peace.